The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning. I, some of you might be thinking, Dave, did you get out a new outfit? I was like, yes, I did. My family dressed me today with, with my new kicks. These are... Thank you. These, these are the most leathery shoes I've ever worn and for tennis shoes, and I'm kind of liking them. And there's a thing called creasing tennis shoes that I love doing. So, so if you're staring at me today doing this, like, I like it bendy. I like it bendy. But there's, there's this video. The kids don't like their leather to be, have cracks in it, so they walk around high school like this. And I just, I kind of want to be a high school teacher just to see how the different, the different, uh, different fads kind of come in and out and just make fun of them with the other teachers. I bet that's a blast. Any teachers, any teachers in the room, that's a gift you have. So um, thanks for teaching. Thanks for teaching. I'm sure it pays for all the other work you do. Um, I want to share a little bit before we get started about what happened last week. Some of you guys stayed after about half the, half you guys probably stayed after based on the size of the room uh, for our business meeting. And good news is we have 22 new members that were voted on. So that's exciting for a church to celebrate. That's good. Um, the five elders all agreed to stay on the elder board and everybody voted them to reaffirm them. So that was good. So, um, Rob, Brian, Curtis, Joel, and myself are your elders. Uh, we also had a, um, a budget meeting and we have a budget for this year. So that was exciting. Thank you for many of you who've uh, filled out pledge cards or have online giving or have the regular giving that allows us to make a plan for the year. And the, the biggest uh, thing to celebrate as a church plant is when you can be self-sustaining. And 2023 is our first self-sustaining year where we can, we can pay for all the things that we pay for by our own people. So we're excited about that as well. I know... I know the churches that have been supported, supporting us are excited because they did what they were supposed to do. Like they helped us have some funds for a, a season and then they can now begin to support other church plants like Zach and Chelsea at The Way Church KC. Things like that can happen. Here's right. That's right. So we now get to be a part of planting more churches as, um, as a, a church that's off to college, right? We, 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 we are, are going to do, we're going to do just fine this year. We're excited about the generosity of the people of the church and, and those of us who um, have chosen to, to do that regularly makes is the easiest. Like if there's some sort of ongoing gift, if you guys remember the stewardship talk that I gave a little while back, um, if that's part of your rhythm, um, that's, I think that's the most encouraging thing for a church who is trying to do ministry from month to month to month, if that's a normal rhythm for you. And, and there's ways to do that online. If you go to our neighborhoodchurchop.com and click give. Some of you guys were texting this week me how to get that set up. Um, I just want to say that to everybody. Go to the website. There's a give button at the top, and that's how you get those things set up to, to regularly give. Okay, so good things are happening. I did want to share that with some folks who could not stay last week for the business meeting, but unanimously, things are moving forward for 2023, and we want to love God and our neighbors together even more. Let me pray as we get started today. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of uh, the church, that we have brothers and sisters to walk alongside us, to help us, to motivate us, to remind us of the good and glorious God that you are, and together we get to be the body of Christ. You've, uh, you're very clear, individually, individually, we are not the best picture of 
you walking this planet and serving and giving. But as a church body, we are a much better picture and we serve and we share and we uh, live lives uh, that most glorify you in neighborhoods and streets. And I just pray as we uh, study this passage today, we get back into Exodus, that your spirit will move within us, that you will align us to the things you would have us do, that we recognize our forgiveness is not based on our works, but the works that you have already done. Everybody said... Amen. All right, so we are back in Exodus. It has been a minute or two since we've been in Exodus. We took a little break for a thing called Christmas, which that was a blast. And in January, we had a series called Next Steps, Moving Forward in Our Faith, and kind of we're challenged in different areas of our lives for the new year, and kind of hoping that we do make next steps to grow from being rooted, built up, and established as leaders in our, in our lives, in our neighborhoods. The theme for the book, of Exodus that we have put on this. This is, this is something we have put on top of the text. We think the text teaches this, is the word the words pursuing God. And there's two meanings for this. The first meaning and the most important meaning is we have a pursuing God. That we get to see his constant faithfulness in the the Hebrews, the, the Israelites, those that were who were in Egypt and who were captives. We see a pursuing God save them. And secondly, we are to be a people who pursues God. May we be a people who pursues God, and we desire a deeper and deeper relationship with the Father and follow him. So what we're going to do really quickly, really quickly, um, those of you guys who are in education and teach for a living, your review is 90%, right? Review is 90%. Most of the time, we forget 90% of the stuff that we we're taught uh, minutes before, right? So we're going to spend uh, a short amount of time just to review, to catch us up to Exodus 17. So if you have your Bibles or you'd like to use the Bibles on the, the chairs in front of you or you would like a Bible as a gift, those are for you to use and to take if you need or you know somebody who needs a Bible, take one of those. But we're in Exodus 17. Exodus is the second book in our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, and we're in uh, chapter 17. But to get there, we had to go through 16 chapters, and I just went ahead and just copy and pasted some stuff in my notes to remind myself what in the world's been going. So we're going to put these up here for you guys. Sorry, it's a little small. But first of all, in the beginning of, of Exodus, uh, the, Moses writes and sets the stage for uh, this chaos. The, the Israelites are being blessed by God as God continues to do, but they've become so large and so great in the land of Egypt that the Pharaoh, who had forgotten the, the prior uh, leadership of the Hebrews and, and that whole story of Joseph, there's a new Hebrew, like there's too many Hebrews, let's enslave them so they don't take over. Uh, so that's where we start off the book of of Exodus is this idea of captivity and slavery. And in this chapter, Moses is born. It's this great story where there's chaos, but there's also a hero that's going to be leading the people through the book of, of Exodus. Secondly, Moses uh, sees, he's kind of wearing the, the Hebrew hat, but also the Egyptian hat. And he sees this Egyptian, you know, fighting with a Hebrew and, and Moses tries to save the day, and he ends up killing the Egyptian. Because of that, he flees. And he, he finds a wife in this other land outside of Egypt. 
and he's about 40 years old when this happens. Exodus 3 is the burning bush. He's 80 now. He's living in this land for half his life so far. And, and the burning bush is, of course, God telling Moses, you're going to be the hero of the, of the story. I'm going to be using you. You're going to be the hero. And, and Moses is like, no, I'm, no, I, I don't want to do this. It's, that sounds pretty weighty. Have you seen the armies of Egypt? I don't want to go back there and do that. Um, but he, he does receive signs. Do you guys remember the signs? There was a staff. The staff turns into a what? A snake, that's crazy, right? Like, that, can I have something else, God? Right? Like, that's, that's something. And then the, the leprous hand, remember that? But also he could, he could pour water out uh, from the Nile on the ground and it would turn to blood. That's right, those are very three odd things. But that's what God gave Moses to show. Like, hey, Moses is my voice. Trust Moses. So Moses goes back to Egypt and shows these to the, the leaders of the Hebrews, but also he shows them to the Egyptians. And life gets easier. No, life gets harder. They get more oppressed because he's like, okay, if they're going to come and try to leave or go worship their God, we're just going to make life hard for them. Since they have all this, they have all this free time to go worship their God, uh, we're going to stop helping them. They're going to have to make um, bricks without straw. They have to go get their own straw. So then we have these infamous part of, there's a couple parts of, of Exodus that are infamous. One of them is the 10 plagues of Egypt from the Nile turning to blood all the way to uh, the death angel that comes and kills the firstborn. But we had this word Passover. Maybe you guys have heard this word Passover. Um, if you have Jewish friends, they celebrate Passover. We talk about Passover a lot. It's the death angel that passes over certain houses so that the firstborn is not killed. And this is the story of, of course, Jesus. And Joel did a fantastic job teaching on that. So then in Exodus 13, talk about the firstborn and the consecration of the firstborn. 14, uh, the parting and crossing of the Red Sea. Zach did a, a great job teaching on that. God's continuing to use this salvation, but also destruction of the armies as the waves came in and crashed in on the pursuers of the Hebrews. And then in 15, we have Moses sharing the story in song. It's, he just, he, it's just a great reminder of what God has been doing. And just a reminder for us that we should worship. We should be reminded, just like as we just last 30 minutes, reminded of the work that God has all done. And we do that together in like unity with words that we all agree with. And we, we say together and, and singing them is it's just more fun sometimes just talking, right? And, and as we begin with the needs of the people is kind of where we're picking up today. So it starts off with the people being thirsty. God takes this water that's bitter and makes it sweet so the Hebrews can eat it, to drink it. And then secondly, the, the Hebrews are now, they're out of Egypt. They're, they're like wandering on their way to Mount Sinai and, and, and they're hungry and thirsty. Basic needs of people and God supplies their needs. So we're picking up in 17 and you're not, you're just gonna be blown away with what happens next. You're blown away. They're thirsty again. 17.1, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped out Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with these, this people? They're almost ready to stone me. 
And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the Lord, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? What we find here is a pattern, and I want to kind of focus on the pattern some. We've already spoken of God um, satisfying the needs of humanity. We'll talk about that some today as well. But I just want to put up here the pattern that we find in this passage. People are in need. People blame. People lose faith in God. A prophet or someone intercedes for the people to God. God makes an opportunity, right? He makes a way. The people can either do what God said or not. And depending on that, there's hope for salvation. So let's just break this down real quick in this specific passage because this pattern is all through the Bible. All through the Bible. All through the Bible. So let's take a look one at a time. Number one, people are in need. What do we find in this passage in verse one? There is no water for the people to drink. It's like literally, God, we left our homes in this luscious place called Egypt, and we're in the desert. All of us in our minds would go, what's the problem with that? It's the desert. There's no, nobody really lives there. You can walk through that anytime you want to, because nobody's there. It's a problem, and it's going to continuously be a problem for the people of God. Number two, people expect others to help them, right? There's this blame, even from this uh, beginning story of Adam and Eve. He blames her. She blames the serpent, right? There's always this passage of blame. What's that in verse two? Give us water to drink. Whose fault is it? It's Moses' fault. There's no question here. Moses, give us water to drink. Moses like, what in the world? So that moves, of course, on to the next one. Number three, people lose faith in God. We, we find out they're testing the Lord. And in verse seven, we have this uh, explanation of what was going on. Is the Lord among us or not? You can imagine all that these people have been going through for the last months. And they're now going, is God even here? There literally was a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke guiding them. And they're like, is God even here? Goodness gracious. Is he, we're thirsty. Like, this is how we are. Like, we, we need to understand these are human beings. We get it. When you're thirsty, you make questions like this. Number four, the prophet intercedes for the people of God. So Moses cried to the Lord in verse four, what shall I do with this people. You could just see Moses the prophet going to God going, God, you're not going to believe this. Um, they're unhappy. And they're fighting with me, fighting with each other. And they're even questioning if you're still around. I know you're here because I keep coming to you to talk to you, but, but they don't know you're here for some reason. There's literally a prophet who, who cares and believes and has faith that is there as an intercession. Verse 5, or verse 6, God makes a way. Behold, I stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, 
and water shall come out of it. And God's way of salvation, God's way of miracles and having moments where only he could get the glory for it, literally it's a rock that produces water. It's like, what's the opposite of water? You'd probably say, I don't know, a rock? Like, literally the last thing that water is, is this solid thing that holds paper down on a desk or holds our houses down or we climb. Like, you don't drink it. I don't think you drink it. Like, I've never drank rock. But clearly, God makes rock turn into water. A miracle. So now, the sixth step is people need to choose to obey or not. Moses had to choose to obey or not. Do you recognize that in this scenario, God did not say, if you go to this rock, it's going to have water shooting out from it. He says to Moses, you got to have faith that you can take that staff and hit the rock and water's going to come out from a rock. And what did Moses do? He believed God and was obedient. That's key for us today. And lastly, their salvation. The next chapter is not the Israelites died of thirst. Trust me, that's not what happens next. They drank the water that God said they would. There is salvations. So the Israelites have this pursuing God. He's there. When there's a need, Moses goes to him. God is there to listen, and God provides a way out. Even if they are testing God and grumbling against him, he is faithful. Why is he faithful? Because God made a covenant with the people and said, I'm going to be your God because I'm choosing to be your God. Not because you're good and because you always will trust me. and You'll always be faithful to me. It's because God says, I want to do something great through you, a people group. So I'm going to continue to pursue you and continue to save you and continue to help you. He's the father. They're his children. Even though they continue to grumble, he still loves them and wants what's best for them. As a parent or as someone who has been a part of a family, maybe you can understand that, that, that even though there's grumbling and testing, you still love your family. You still care for your kids. If you have children, uh, maybe you'll understand this example. Maybe you've been in a car on a vacation. And say the drive was more than an hour. Say it was four to eight hours, or maybe you were crazy and drove to the, you know, one of the coasts, right? And it's like, all right, so we're in the car forever. And halfway to your location, um, the grumbling and the testing begins. And parents, normally you sit in the front seat. Maybe sometimes you do pop in the back and play video games. That's only happened a couple times. So, but most of the time you're in the front seat and you're, you're, you're talking to your, your spouse. You're just driving, hanging out. And the kids begin to um, feel the boredom, feel the weight of sitting in the same place in a car. And the grumbling begins. The quarreling begins. And you as a parent, you may say things like this. You're all grounded for the week. Nobody's leaving the hotel room. You may say things like that. You may, you may say things like, I'm going to turn this car around. And we're not going to do all that cool stuff that we've already paid for. We're going to just go home and do chores. All cleaning our rooms. You may have thought or said things like this. But 
what are you really thinking? You're thinking, I want to redeem this situation. Clearly, the way that I'm feeling as a parent, the way the kids are feeling as siblings, we all need this rest. We need this vacation. The trip there is a, is a, is, it's a design to say like, yeah, when we all get together, we're all kind of tense and we need to go like celebrate and do something enjoyable and relax and maybe enjoy something that you watch or you do together for a vacation. And you know you're probably not going to turn the car around. You're not going to waste the hundreds of thousands of dollars you've already spent on this trip and taken off work. You know you're not going to make them sit in a hotel room for a week because you know they need the break too. So you're going on vacation, but the whole time, what you're really thinking is, I just wish the trip was better. I wish the trip was just a little better. I'm a parent. I'm in control. I love you guys. It's going to be a blast when we get to the beach. I just wish the trip was better. This is the story of Exodus. God loves his people. He's going to save his people. We know the story. He just wants them to like, guys, I just really wish you knew what the plan was and the trip could be better. Here's the beautiful key truth for today. This is the promise, not just for the Israelites. This is God's message to all of us. God loves the world so much that he sent Jesus. And he tells us as Jesus is coming again. And there's a beautiful day where, when, in a sense, the banquet will start, the vacation, the celebration of the Lord will start. But he wants right now the trip, this season, not to be full of quarreling and arguing and, and forgetting God. So here's the gospel pattern. Let's go through these one more time. So this passage shows us the pattern continues. That first of all, people are in need for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is what we know from the book of Romans. All have sinned, all of us in the room, we're all in need. We're short of what the expectation is of the Lord. But what do we do? We, we blame, we, we blame it on our parents or we blame it on our kids or we blame it on our siblings or we blame it on our jobs or we blame it on the church or we blame it on religion. And let me just tell you, all those things are broken. I validate that. But that is not the goal. The goal is that we would be dependent on God. So thirdly, what happens? People begin to lose faith in God. They begin to say things and think things like, well, God must not love me. God, if you were real, this need that I have wouldn't exist. All my needs right now would always be met all the time if you existed. So fourthly, the prophet intercedes. What's the story here? Where is Moses? Well, the better Moses is Jesus. And Jesus came to intercede for us and still does intercede for us. The book of John, the gospel of John starts with the word Jesus in heaven became flesh 
and dwelt among us. This is the water for us. So number five, God makes a way. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is a way to solve your thirst. And then the ball is in our court. People must choose to be faithful or not, be obedient or not. What's the obedience talking about here? Not doing a bunch of little things to make your way to heaven. The obedience here is to step off the throne of your life and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And there's some of you in the room who haven't done that yet. And every Sunday you're considering, like, should I follow Jesus with every part of my life? And my hope for today is you listen to the story of the Hebrews forgetting God. That you're like, you're like, I'm tired of being in that category. I want to be in the faithful category of those who say, Jesus, I trust you. I believe you. You are the one who satisfies and gives. Mark 1.14, these are, these are Jesus' words. The very beginning of Mark, Jesus describing his ministry. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What's my message today for us as we have a, this pattern of pursuance going on in the Bible? That you would repent. You would turn from your sin and you would believe God. You would obey him and you would follow him underneath the righteousness that is given to us in Christ. So number seven, salvation. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you think right now, I've done too much. That's not true. Everyone, and in that word, everyone is sinners. Everyone who's a sinner who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you must call on him. You must say, Lord, I want you to be my savior, the one who died on the cross for my sins, and my Lord, the one who I follow day in, day out. I wake up in the morning, I say the Lord's prayer, and I say, God, may today be the day that I follow you better than I've ever followed you because of the work you have done for me. I don't want to end with this this morning. Exodus 17.1. Back to the beginning of the passage. Just, just a little insight about what we just read. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. What do we learn from this one sentence about everything that I've shared so far, this pattern of need? Is that God often puts us in a place of need. They're following God's command. God's guiding them. Where does God guide them? To thirst. What do we learn about God? We have a God who uses our needs to remind us we need him. What's the worst thing we could say as people? I don't need God anymore. I've got this. May we never say that, friends. May we never get there. Because we have a loving God who constantly puts things in our life. Man, I need the Lord today. Man, I need the Lord today. My family needs the Lord today. My friends need the Lord today. My school, my neighbors, they need the Lord today. There's a lot of need. He puts the need so that we find him. Not that he's secret and not wanting to be found, but that he's right there with his arms open going, 
I'm glad you're here today. Don't forget, we are stubborn. Our hearts are stubborn. We literally will love the darkness and hide from the truth. That's how evil we are as people. We want to be hidden. We want to be, no, I'm not that bad. It's actually other people's faults. We would rather be blind and living evil and lies than living lives with open eyes and seeing the truth right before us in the light. Why do I know this? Because I think Jesus knows our hearts. He is aware of us. He can see our hearts. John three nineteen. just listen. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is how Jesus follows up John 3.16. So this morning, my question as we go to the table today to be reminded of the gospel. My question for you is, what is the need you currently have? And do you recognize that God wants you to go to him for it and be reminded that he wants to satisfy you? But it's too hard, Dave. My, My heart is too hard. God will take a staff and hit your heart and water's gonna come out of that stone. That's the God that we love. Know that. This is the God we read about in the Bible. He pulls fresh drinking water out of rocks. But he wants us to go to him. Let's go to him together right now. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins that we have the staff. (laughs) Father, as we consider what our needs are, as we consider that we are in need of grace, in need of love, in need of forgiveness, that our hearts aren't too hard, that you can't make water come out, that you can't make refreshing, drinking water, life, a spring of life that's not just for our own life, but uh, water that can go to our families and we can bless others and our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. You have that kind of power. But as we read in your scriptures, we must come out of the darkness. We must recognize the need pulls us out of the darkness as we come to you and say, God, save me. Father, I pray for anyone in this room right now who doesn't know you, that they will make that decision today and they will tell somebody that they want to follow you, Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.